Welcome to Care Talk, America's home for incisive debate about healthcare, business, and policy. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. David, I think it's time to talk about Alzheimer's and Adulhelm and this wild controversy over what's covered and what's not and why. How, how do you want to start to unpack it? John, this is such a big issue, and it starts with the fact that you've got almost 6 million people with Alzheimer's as of now, and it's expected to go up to 14 million in 2060. I think one reason this is a big deal, John, and we're going to get to some of the detail here, is that it actually is being felt in people's pocketbook. That is, those who have Medicare, uh, they pay their Part B premium, and the premium has gone up $22 from last year to this, and fully half of that is because of this drug. Well, I also think it's a big deal because you've got this gray wave of 10,000 people turning Medicare eligible every day, and you've got this implicit growth of Alzheimer's, which is a huge cluster diagnosis because it doesn't just, just this terrifying disease that takes away your memory, but it creates a social burden for those who need to, those families that need to take care of their loved ones. And there are a lot of corollary healthcare things that start to go wrong when you've got Alzheimer's. It's a devastating disease. It's devastating if it hits and hurts people and, 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 and steals people when they're young and they die young. But it also cripples people and families who then have to live with a sick relative for many, many years. I mean, it is a, there's clearly a big social need here. What's the big controversy over this drug, Dave? John, I think that, you know, one of the reasons this drug got approved is for the very reasons you're saying. We really need new drugs for Alzheimer's. There isn't anything good on the market. It's been 20 years since there was anything really that was new. So how did this drug get approved? Well, there's this hypothesis that you have these plaques in the brain which a lot of Alzheimer's patients have, and that if you could get rid of the plaques, you could get rid of the Alzheimer's. Problem is, it seems to be that this drug gets rid of the plaque, but there's no evidence it gets rid of the Alzheimer's. So the FDA, there was an advisory committee, and they voted overwhelmingly against approval. They recommended against it. Three people resigned when FDA approved it. It actually cost Janet Woodcock her job as head of FDA. So that's the starting point. That's the FDA process. Well and, and and I think David that it is it's pretty rare that the FDA advisory committee advising on external experts that advise on whether drugs are safe and effective that there wasn't one vote on that advisory committee of experts in the field that said this was effective and so you've got you know a bunch of no's a couple of maybes and and the FDA approved it what do you think's going on there John there are apparently some potential shenanigans going on. And in fact, no. after, sadly, after the approval, Janet Woodcock actually uh, ordered an investigation uh, into what may have transpired between FDA and the manufacturer, Biogen. Now, it's not clear anything was exactly wrong. And a lot of people you know, have their whole careers riding on this. And as you said, there's a huge unmet need to go after. So, but the thing is, John, after it got past FDA, now they'll go and investigate whatever it is. Now, CMS, which runs Medicare and Medicaid, they have to decide what to do. Normally, it's a rubber stamp process. FDA approved the drug, and you just bring it on and start paying for it. Not this time. Well, I mean, I think you've also got the potential. Let's not skip over too quickly the FDA playing footsie with, the, with pharma. I mean, you've got a, 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 a basic sense that the federal drug, uh, uh, the FDA is really not managing the pharma 
manufacturers, the pharma manufacturers are really managing the FDA. That's the impression that everybody has with all of the incredible political power and communications power that big pharma has. Let's get into the crazy pricing. Okay. Of this drug, so John, let's in talk a second. Yeah, but I think that's but that's that's kind of what people are freaking out over is how do you have a, 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 a the best regarded drug regulatory agency in the world? Its advisory committee get zero people suggesting this is approved, and then it gets approved. I mean, of course there are shenanigans. John, but let's now move to how much does this drug cost? Well, here's David? the thing, John. So FDA approves it now. CMS is going to decide if it's if it's covered. Now, remind me again, how, who sets the price? Like CMS, they decide, CMS decides this is a good drug and we're going to pay Biogen. Oh, no, 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 no. When CMS, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, makes a decision about whether a drug is covered, and generally to your point, if the, drug, if the FDA says yes, they approve it and it gets a code for the diseases or, 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 or needs that it supposedly addresses or covers or cures. Um, they don't actually have the authority to speak to anything about pricing because guess what? Big Pharma has the fix in. They can price a drug at whatever price they want uh, at any time, and they can move it up or down. And generally, it goes up, um, which is why our drug prices are the highest in the world. I mean, this drug was priced, I think, at around fifty-six or $59,000 yeah. per year per treatment. And according to the independent pricing uh, economics group, ICER, that's three to 10 times what even assume it were, assuming the drug works, it should be priced. Basically, drug companies get to price drugs at whatever they kind of feel like, whatever they can get away with. John, this is a good uh, time maybe to point out what it means when we talk about Medicare negotiating drug prices, which is one of the things that's been proposed. Let's contrast what happens. You know, one of the things that Medicare pays for a lot is hospitals. Now, there's a lot of fancy hospitals around, including Boston, where Biogen's from. When Mass General goes to CMS, they don't say, hey, I'm charging $56,000 a day and you have to pay it, right? There's actually CMS dictates to the to the hospitals what they're going to get paid. So this is not it's drugs. Well, of course. doesn't have to be great. Of course. But with drugs, it isn't like that. Now, John. <clears throat> well, th- just th- think about that. With With hospital services, it's not like that. With devices, it's like drugs. Drugs are the only category. I mean, imagine if your doctor said, "Look, I, I think I need to be a little bit more innovative, and I would provide a lot more services if you paid me a million dollars a visit yeah. or a hundred thousand dollars a year." I mean, we've created a system in uh, a self-supporting system in the pharma world where we just we basically allow them blank flex wild flexibility in pricing, which is why we've got. Are, are, you know, it costs more on an annual basis to pay for the drugs for uh, for uh, the average commercial insured member than it costs to, to keep people, you know, to pay people's hospital bills. I mean, it's insane. Now, and, and the other thing is that 70% of the inflation in drug pricing is not even in these new drugs, which are priced super high. It's in your classic single molecule chemical compounds, your pills and capsules. Got- so, but let's stay away from okay. that. Let's direct this back to... You've got a drug that is voted effectively as, uh, at best, unproven, right. at worst, ineffective. Yeah. It then gets to CMS. But CMS was pretty tricky this time in terms of how it handled 
the approval of the drug. Do you want to explain sure, it? Because sure, it's, it's sort of it's sort of interesting. So what happened? First of all, I want to actually rewind one second to the FDA approval, and you say, you know, at worst ineffective. Actually, at worst dangerous because this drug may cause brain brain bleeds as well. So that's a problem. Now, what CMS did, you know, they all of a sudden it's sort of like, okay, it got through the FDA defenses. Now, what are we going to do? And it would be really, I think, un- unprecedented for uh, CMS to say, we're just plain not going to cover something that FDA approved. So what they did is they they did what they call coverage with evidence. And that means that in order, so they will pay for it, but it has to be in the context of a specific clinical trial that's approved by CMS or NIH. And that's going to limit it to a few thousand people. And it has to be focused, the trials have to be focused on safety and efficacy. So they really narrowed the window to almost nothing uh, for the drug and the response. Well, but but go CMS. I mean, that's kind of what you want our regulatory authorities to do. I mean, I think we've got to say that in this particular case, CM, you know, score one for CMS and zero for the FDA. Fair enough, John. Uh, but you know, it's it's not a great situation where CMS always has to be saying you need to do a study. Now, listen, it's interesting what happened now with the advocacy community here, and here's where you see the difference between people that you know really want a new treatment. And had it approved and we're expecting it. And now a lot of them feel betrayed. You know, the Alzheimer's Association was particularly aggrieved and they, and they put out a statement that Medicare had used Alzheimer's Association's own paper to argue for this. And they said it's, you know, they had the audacity, not the audacity of hope, the audacity to cite the Alzheimer's Association report on challenges and barriers underrepresented communities have in participating in clinical trials and then turn around and propose to impose, propose to impose those very barriers. So, you know, people are, are yeah, pissed. I, mean, I don't, yeah, I, but I don't see how you could say that asking for some evidence that a drug is effective is a barrier. Yes, it's only two to 3,000 patients, but this is not, this drug is, to your point, every drug, every drug, every chemical compound or biologic always has some risks associated with it. Um, aspirin's got risks associated with it. You take this complex and it's a monoclonal antibody. It's one of these complicated biologic treatments that's super exciting because it's a targeted drug uh, therapy leveraging the, bi- the, the 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 tweaking of your own biology to potentially solve a life-threatening problem so super exciting got it but I think it's it's only fair that that given the fact that there's always a, a risk of, of, of some of some other secondary condition following the use of a when you tweak the body's biology, that we actually see whether these things are effective. I think, uh, you know, CMS did a nice job and, and clearly CMS got the attention of Biogen, which is the manufacturer here, because soon after that decision, while they were kicking and screaming on the policy side and the industry association of pharma claimed the world was falling apart, Biogen just quietly halved the price of the yeah. drug. Hmm. That's well, it's sort of like, yeah, it was 56. That seemed like a good number before. 28 anyone, you know, and so what's interesting, John, is that there, you know, we're, we live in a, uh, a democracy of sorts and there's a comment period now. And so what, what Biogen wants to do is to flood CMS with complaints, uh, during the comment period and try to get the policy modified. And they think they might be able to do that. And they're looking for, you know, various loopholes to, to go after it. And in the meantime, what happens, I mean, Biogen fell flat on their face major loss of shareholder value. They're going to have to lay off people in sales and marketing. They look like, you know, what the heck have they been doing over the past decade while they've been uh, developing this drug? They look like complete bozos. Well, I think, I think again, the, the, the things here that are, are, are not that 
we don't have a great pharma manufacturing sector. We do. And not that Biogen, which has done some unbelievably cool drugs, some unbelievably cool drugs in other categories, which they have. It's just this notion that we would somehow cover a, with, with, with one out of every four Americans not being able to afford their chronic meds, um, why we would where we would approve a drug that's exceedingly expensive at, at priced at whatever someone wanted to justify an earnings per share number uh, that doesn't even have any evidence associated with it it's it just seems kind of uncouth yeah um but in, but i do think that the um the and the market's responding the nature of this particular biologic is it comes into the part b medicare uh, uh buy and bill part of the uh, medicare coverage of drugs. What that means is doctors, hospitals have to actually buy the drug before they bill. And I think that, you know, what you saw very early on is without any evidence and with unclear coverage, hospitals and health plans were pushing back and saying, look, this doesn't seem like the kind of drug that we should have broadly used in the marketplace. But to your point, just the fact that it was potentially approved, jacked up all Medicare eligibles, Medicare, Medicare B, Medicare premiums, Medicare B premiums by 14 and a half percent. And they, and, and the federal government said that half of that incremental cost to every Medicare eligible was, was, was tied to this specific drug. Right. So a drug with zero support for effectiveness, uh, unclear that it's safe, although it, there, it's unclear that it's not safe priced through the roof. I mean, it was going to, dollars were going to come out of every Medicare eligible's pocket. I mean, David, I, I, this is this is a perfect example of I think CMS standing up for the the consumer and sp- standing up for patients. Now, John, even though CMS only has one M in it, uh, they do say Medicare and Medicaid services. Interestingly, the CMS decision on Medicare has some implications on the Medicaid side. So uh, there are people that are duly eligible for Medicare because they're older, and for Medicaid because they're poor. And normally, uh, Medicare would pay. So if Medicare, you know, Medicare would normally pay for this Part B drug. Now that Medicare has basically disapproved it, the states are worried that Medicaid is going to be stuck with some bills because it still can be billed to Medicaid. And this may actually cause huh. a reckoning uh, between uh, Medicaid and Medicare because the states, you know, are, are, they don't have the money. They're going to be concerned about what might might happen. So that's a, that's an interesting well, I think twist. That, I think that the... The um, it's good that you're not going into the marginalia here because otherwise I might lose you, um, or you might lose me rather. But I think that that getting back to the core point, don't you think, David, we should have some cost benefit analysis here when we bring drugs to market? I mean, it just it feels like we're we're missing some pretty important logical steps in the FDA safe and effective. Um, CMS, you know, kind of evidence that that it should it, it should it should be covered because it'll help somebody. Shouldn't there be a cost benefit analysis here that might actually create some rationale for sensible drug drug pricing and better coverage decisions? John, you're such a kind person that when I'm going down the rat hole that you say, oh, you know, don't do that. You might lose me. I, I appreciate it, John. You're trying to reel me back in before I cause trouble. Now, what you made me think of, and I haven't done my research on this, is if you remember when the Affordable Care Act came out. There was actually this discussion about, you know, comparative effectiveness and PCORI, the Patient Centered uh, Outcomes Research Institute, was actually originally meant to be to like study is one drug more effective than another, is one treatment more effective than another, and that we might pay differently for it as a result. And they basically 
could be afraid of such a thing, David. Everybody was afraid of it, John, and they pulled it back. And so that's what you're seeing here. Yeah, I think it would make sense. It made sense at the time. Uh, people were too chicken, but really what it is is it shows, yeah, the uh, medical industrial complex, as you like to, as you like to say, uh, had, a, had a big impact. John, I want to ask you about whether this is going to end up being a big deal. Is it just a one-time story that we're talking about? Or some of these things that we're describing about the FDA process and CMS and comparative effectiveness and pricing, does this be, does the Eduhelm situation touch off a broader movement? Well, I think I think what you're what we're at a really interesting time for the Federal Drug Administration because for the last fifty to one hundred years um, since the FDA was was really created, it's been seen as the bellwether, the model for academics, clinicians, and government coming together to set the the ethical standard around what's safe and effective in terms of drugs, food, um, um, devices, uh, software as a medical device, all running through the FDA for approval. And the combination of a bungled process, and in my view, a bad decision to move forward with a drug. I mean, I don't know how you approve a drug that your advisors say is not effective. And consistent misfires around communication, um, and decisions regarding COVID that cross the Trump and the Biden administrations. I think the FDA is in for some, some, it is in for some reckoning. What's hard is the FDA is, is, is set up as a truly independent enterprise and is not, is, is somewhat beyond the reach of the, of the presidency, uh, although not of a legislative process that might tweak it. Um, but historically, the FDA and those who've supported it have really fought any efforts at reform because you could sensibly make the argument that in a lot of areas of innovation, we move too slowly um, and there's almost a reverse Moore's law happening in, in, in as part of the conventional approval, for example, of medical devices, that we've been ineffective uh, or afraid to put any cost benefit analysis. How much does that new stent new knee, new drug actually, uh, what kind of value does it create? Um, and we haven't always leveraged the use of the, the innovation, the use of innovation, innovative approaches that the rest of industry has. Uh, but I think that because there's, uh, there's, there is such power in the medical industrial complex and there's institutional kind of lobbyists that are so powerful, I'm not sure you're going to get reform, but these are the kinds of things the bungled decision around Aduhelm and frankly, the, the misfires in terms of public communications around COVID. Now, I think on COVID, the FDA is being held to an awfully hard standard because the evidence, as the evidence change changes, the recommendations should change. And yet people want consistency. Right. Um, but you could clearly see that um, there is a, 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 an agency is out of step with the world when it won't approve, uh, for example, just simple COVID tests that the rest of the world is using when there aren't enough tests for the United States. So you've got a lot happening with the FDA, but just purely on drugs, I hope this is a moment when the FDA will pull back and really reconsider whether it needs to be so beholden to whatever the new drug, uh, sexy drug is of the moment and really test whether there's a level of effectiveness that's worthwhile. The, the the what we know will be the will our drugs will always our new drugs will always be priced higher than anywhere else in the world. And if we're going to tolerate that intolerable situation, 
we should at least hold the, these drugs to a standard of effectiveness. So, John, I've been thinking about you know whether or not uh, this moment is actually going to be meaningful for the drug price reform that we've all been thinking about. And I think on the on the side where okay, the optimistic side that says it could be is people make the link between the new blockbusters and paying more into Medicare, as we've talked about this big increase of uh, price for Part B. CMS is deciding to assert itself on the high cost and low value offerings from the outset. Is you know they may that. There may be a precedent for that as they worry about the Medicare trust fund. And pharma's got to put on notice that they can't introduce new drugs with low value but high price. That's the pause. That's the optimistic motion. On the other side, is it a one-time thing? Well, you know, usually the FDA actually process does work, and they approve drugs that are safe and effective. Uh, this is so high profile, and there was such huge uptake expected that it just drew a lot of attention. And it also happened right at the start of the CMS Part B premium hike, where there's still a chance to go back and resolve it. So I'm of, I'm of two minds um, on that. And I think, John, it's also possible that this drug... So wait a yeah, second. Wait a yeah. second. Don't you have to pick a side? The whole point of this What's show side, is you've got to pick a side, David. Well, I'm, 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 a, I'm, I'm, I'm a skeptic. I, I think that this is, a, this is a perfect illustration of the, of, the, of, the, of the cozy, the overly cozy relationship that leads to shenanigans, as you say, that are uh, that are fast tracking drugs that probably aren't as effective and certainly are more highly priced than they should be. Um, I don't think things are going to change because I think the the, the 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 fix is in, and we saw that when it, all it took was uh, three or four congressmen to be flip on the Democratic side to to eat to to restrict or eliminate even the modest amount of drug negotiations that the uh, Democratic leaders in the White House were looking for. So no, I'm I'm not optimistic. I just think hopefully this will. Uh, we'll have a higher standard around effectiveness, but I don't, I don't think we'll ever, I don't think we're even close getting to the point where pharma is not on notice. I, I, I just, I don't think pharma is going to change. I don't think the FDA is going to change around around drugs being too expensive. But hopefully the one thing that will change is it'll be, they'll hold themselves to a higher standard of, of at least effectiveness. Well, John, as usual, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you about Alzheimer's disease, the failure of the FDA, high drug prices, and all the other shenanigans in society. But I say, why don't we wrap it up right here? And I'm going to say, I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of Carecentrics. If you like what you heard, please subscribe on your favorite service.